0: This is Jeff Moy, and you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast.
1: Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Uh, With us today, we have the master disaster, Josh45. What is up? And CBS. Also, what is up, I guess. I don't know. Uh, see, so today we are going to be doing episode number 156. And the, uh, books we're going to be going over is, uh, Black Cat number one from Marvel. This is the 2021 Black Cat series. Um, then we're going to be doing Dark Detective, or sorry, Future State, Dark Detective number one. Um, it is a two-part story, so we'll do the first half, which is the, uh, detective story. And then we'll follow it up at the end with the, uh, Second half is the Grifter story. After Dark Detective will do Department of Truth number one from Image Comics, and then Guardians of the Galaxy number eight from Marvel. And like I said a second ago, we'll wrap it up with a uh, with some grifter action. The uh, backup story in the Dark Detective. Future State DC comics. Before any of that, I guess, uh Josh, you got any news?
0: I do. So what's in the news? So, um, the prequels of Star Wars have been renamed in, um, Star Wars ca- official canon as the Fall of the Jedi Trilogy. Interesting. It makes it sound way cooler than it does. It does, yeah. It sounds all fancy. Um, in other Star Wars news, Liam Neeson has been quoted as saying he wants to reprise the role of Qui-Gon Jinn in the new Obi-Wan TV show. I can see some Force Ghost actions so flashbacks, sure. It would make sense. Yeah. Right, if they don't, it'd be dumb.
1: It'd be kind of a waste, yeah.
0: Because he does appear in,
1: uh... Clone Wars. Oh, the animated series? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It'd Four. be weird if we didn't have anything with him, considering that, I mean, the dude wants to do it. It'd be kind of a waste.
0: Well, suppose, Supposedly, I mean, I'm sure there's some not-canon things out there that maybe Force Ghosts have appeared before, but the first force person to be- figure out how to communicate after death was Qui Gon yeah. to Yoda. So, right. Well, and then he does appear in the Clone Wars. So, there's that. That's really cool. I like that idea. Um, Ho I didn't know this, and this might be old news and I didn't know it, but the actor Aldous Hodge, um, is going to be playing Hawkman in the Black Adam movie. So, I didn't, There, I guess Aldous Hodge is, or, or Hawkman's going to
1: be in the Black Adam movie. That's interesting. Yeah, as far as the thing, like, I don't... I feel like I heard somebody was playing Hawkman, but I don't remember who it was, and that makes sense if that's him. Is it the Black Adam movie, or the, uh... Oh, yeah, that makes sense, because we got... We're supposed to have a batch of characters that are from the uh Justice Society in there. That's cool. I don't know if we knew his name or not, because they announced who um, Adam was going to be. Well, he plays... He's. I mean,
0: unless you really know, like, hip-hop and rap, like, yeah. he played M.C. Ren in the Straight Outta Compton movie... Um, he was really in Die Hard of the Vengeance he was in. He played a guy named Raymond. Like, he's been in things It's just, yeah.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah unless okay. He,
0: unless you really know stuff here, it's going to be hard. You're going to be hard pressed to know who he is. Gotcha. Um, I just thought this was cool, so I'm going to throw it in there. Helen Mirren will be driving, um... In, in some of the driving scenes and not just like as the mother of Jason Statham and the other guy in the new Fast Nine, but she'll actually be driving and partaking in some things. So I thought that was sweet because Hell Mirren's awesome.
1: Sure. So she's going to be one of the, uh, one of the drivers for the series then. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Huh. Definitely. All right. That's and then uh, crazy. Yeah.
0: I was like, yeah, I just think she's awesome. So sure. Cool. Give her some, give her some driving time. And then, uh, the final thing is it's mostly rumor, but it's, it's being highly speculated that the, uh, because it was announced, which is, is official news, that Deadpool will join the MCU with Deadpool 3, um, officially. Right. But, um, the big rumor is that he will be somehow put into the Spider-Man 3 film coming out. Oh, interesting. So, just because of the, uh, multiverse. Sure. Or whatever it's called.
1: Well, I mean, if they use Spider versus the title, I guess that'd be all right. But no, but like the we're we talking about the Doctor Strange one, the Multiverse of Madness. The
0: MCU in general that yeah. exists in the general now. Yeah. So they're not calling it the Spider Verse. It's just like it's going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to play Pig Bart and Spider Man three because they're saying that other Spider Man actors are going to return. So
1: right. Well, there's a handful of the cast there, and then also a handful of them cast for the the Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Like a couple of those names overlap. And I don't know if that's real or if that's just how IMDb has them listed. Right. Because, like, Tom McGuire's listed on both. And that mm, is weird. So... Well, there
0: you go. It probably has something to do with Phase 4.
1: Sure. Interesting. I mean, more power to him. I guess. It's cool.
0: Which I'm so curious how they're going to... They don't really ever answer it. Maybe they do in the comics. with Like, a Falcon can carry a Cap shield, but Cap shield's really heavy. <laughs> but he's going to be
1: Cap. Yeah, I don't necessarily remember. I feel like they addressed it at one point, but I don't remember how they did it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense with the Winter Soldier because he has the arm, and so that's why that worked out. But
1: Yeah, it's in the comics I actually talk about that. Whenever he's using it, he mentions that he can only do it because there's it a robot arm. I don't remember. I feel like they do something similar with Falcon in his uh, Sam Wilson in Captain America, but I don't remember it well enough to know that. Uh, that was the one which, written by Tanisha Coates, so... I no, hang on. He didn't write that. I don't remember who wrote that. I don't remember if they did or not. it to be surprising if they didn't, but I don't remember. So maybe.
0: So anyway, now there's that. I mean, like that's. I mean, news is Well, there's yeah. There's done a lot going on. I mean, besides the fact that, like, I mean. There's all the news of everything coming out and this and that and that and Cobra Kai is awesome and
1: oh yeah, well, Cobra Kai came out. Which if you folks haven't watched that, uh, Cobra Kai is fantastic. It's on Netflix now. Three seasons of amazing. Um, so you can get in there and watch it because it's awesome. Um, they did announce some second prints coming out for uh, some of the future state books they have already been scheduled for second prints. Most of them are past final cut off too, actually. So we know they're doing the Teen Titans, which dropped this well this week for time. And then the Wonder Woman with uh, Yara uh is on second print. I feel like the Detective Comics might be, too. So, yeah, there's a handful of them that are already in second print, which is, I mean, good for them, I guess. But, yeah, as far as, like, other shows, I mean, say by the Bell dropped, too, and it's surprisingly good, too. Show-wise. I think it's Amazon, isn't it? Which one's say by the Bell on?
0: Uh Peacock.
1: Oh, Peacock, that's right. Okay. Peacock Premium. Also worth a watch.
0: I mean, not strange for me, but for, for, for the, uh, for the layman's strange. Right. Cause it's that good. Cause you watched it and you're just like.
1: Yeah, right. The right. Most
0: anti-sabotage person I ever met, so. I mean, that's not true.
1: But, mm. I, I mean. Is, yeah. I
0: guess they just, uh, I saw in the news today that Dustin Diamond is in the hospital. They think he may have cancer.
1: What? Uh, no, that's crazy. It's a good thing they didn't write him out with that, right? Well, hopefully, like, they might,
0: you know, do the same thing they did with what's his name from Cobra and Give him a shot, yeah. You know? Maybe because they do mention him that like him and Kevin his robot went to space Right. so like maybe they'll be like oh I came back from space with cancer and like we gotta say their goodbyes
1: hmm maybe well, uh, me. I guess we'll see season 2 right crazy nah if it gets uh, it see, still it hasn't it been officially it, picked it, yeah, up for yeah. season 2 I don't know why it wouldn't but right. right
0: oh did you watch did you watch uh, is that WandaVision stuff started
1: i want to say the 15th so here in two days
0: Oh, because it's, like, he's already talking about it and stuff, so I was just, like, curious. Oh, maybe. Maybe just the early sh- showing of...
1: A good, good question. I, I have not seen it as of yet, um, so I I thought it was on the 15th, but I could be wrong about that.
0: Yeah, I was I was just curious. I I don't have Disney Plus, so... Uh...
1: Right. Yeah, I had no idea.
0: Yeah, I was curious. I, it, I just early... Talking this and that and, like, all the stuff about it. So I was like, I wonder if this must have started already. And I Disney Plus has does the thing where they don't just dump it all at once. They do, like, week-to-week yeah, week. Week so week week release. Which I think is actually cool.
1: No, it's fine, yeah.
0: Just like Mandalorian. gives him to look forward to.
1: Right. If it has, I, I'm not aware of it starting yet. But I thought it was going to be... I thought it was on the 15th, but starting again could it easily be wrong.
0: So that's, like, the uh, first
1: official wave, like, I guess so. I mean, I don't know where the TV shows are supposed to land, but it would make sense if they were Wave. Phase like, four. 4. So, I mean, that's cool. The trailers look awesome for it. Uh we're moving some books.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Just to let
1: you know, there will be spoilers. Alright, so we're going to open up with the, uh, well, book-wise, we're going to open up with uh Black Cat Number 1. Again, this is a 2021 run. Uh, This is connected to the uh, King in Black uh, series going on, the uh, event book. Uh, This issue is uh, written by uh, Jed McKay, and the uh, artist on it is C.F. Villa. And, like, uh, when the book first picks up, we're in the process of watching what looks to be an armed robbery. And there's a voiceover going on that explains the things that happen during armed robbery and things you have to do and all the stuff you have to pay attention to. So we have these dudes dressed basically as SWAT guys with crazy masks on, and yeah, they are basically in the process of robbing a, a place. And, uh, as, they, as it goes on, the voiceover we're hearing talks about how there's there's two different types of robbery. There's the robbery, that's the initial robbery, right? Where you initially break into the and get the cash and rob whoever you rob. Um, and there's the secondary robbery where you rob the robbers that robbed the place. And, uh, as all this is going on voiceover wise, we see this truck that they just loaded all their, all their stolen property into, go into a tunnel. Well, in the roof of the tunnel, Felicia Hardy happens to be hanging down by a cable. So the black cat. And, uh, she announces that that's what her crew's there to do. They're going to rob the robbers. And it turns out that the, what she's hanging on the cable from isn't just the roof, but it's the spider bug. Which, if you're not aware, Spider-Man has his own, um, Dune buggy that also travels like a spider up and down walls. It came around in the 80s. So think speed buggy from the, uh, old, uh, Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but painted Spider-Man-like and can drive on the ceiling. And she makes a note about, like, oh, she just borrowed it, she's taking it back. No, don't worry. Um but they, uh, go ahead and drop a cable and connect to the, uh, to the truck and, uh, get ready to basically just trash the truck and rob them. And while this is all going down, all of a sudden out of nowhere, crashing through the roof of the, uh, the bridge of the tunnel they're in, is one of the giant venom, demon-looking dragon things. Because this is all happening at the same time Null is landing in the New York to cause problems. And it devastates the entire, like, tunnel itself, like collapses it in a whole, whole bunch of places. And Felicia and her guys manage to survive and be okay it sort of trashes the truck they were robbing and, uh, the guys, after they, uh, after they get Felicia back with them, she's like, we gotta do something to help stop this and even though Felicia's a robber, and she's, I mean, she's the Marvel version of Catwoman. So, as she sees all these crazy dragon things, she's like, well, I've gotta do something to help, I can't just, you know, I can't just stand by and she basically tells her guys that she's, to get themselves to safety but she's gonna go help and go and go try to stop and fix things. And so off she goes, chasing these giant winged beasts. In the process of that, she comes across a, a pack of different heroes. So we have Storm, Captain America, Cyclops, um, Magneto, uh, Doctor Strange, all battling these things. And uh, Felicia lands down next to him, and Captain America announces to it that they're, that they're symbiotes. These aren't just regular dragon things, they're, they're symbiotes that are here causing problems. And she's like, ah, oh, Venom stuff because she's dealt with him before. And uh Captain America calls her by name, and he's like, the Black Cat, right? Spider-Man talked about you. And she's like, he does? Like, what? So Cap's aware of her, and he knows, you know, that she's uh, an ally in this system of cr- crazy danger. And basically, Captain America convinces her that, with only a few sentences, that they're going to win, it's going to be fine, and she just needs to pitch in and do her part. Because of the Captain America, that's what Captain America does, he inspires, you know? And... So she takes off just uppercutting things and trashing symbiote winged dragon beasts. And during the battle we wind up seeing just more and more of them keep showing up and like even though Cap's sure everything's gonna happen and that makes her feel good inside, you can see that the battle's not necessarily going their way. Doctor Strange is up in the sky creating portals and shooting things everywhere and she says once you saw the doctor, everything felt like it was gonna be fine. Well about that time we get a giant herd of these winged symbiote beasts that envelop Doctor Strange, and she sees his face lose focus and create a create a ball around himself to try to protect himself. But the things swarm him and basically encompass the entire ball, trapping him. And at that point, we see him also covered by the symbiotes. So he's not just in his ball safe anymore. He's full on like covered in symbiotes, enveloped in this crazy ball floating in the sky. And she says that's when she realized that maybe they weren't going to win. Her and Capra stand there looking at this ball. And we see Null float down from the sky. And we get a, we cut to a scene where Null is fighting the century. Which is a kind of cool like little one-off to show us what's happening during the regular King and Black story. Because that part ties in more over there. And we see another handful of heroes get covered in black symbiote goo. So Storm goes down. The thing goes down. Miss Marvel uh Kamala Khan and uh Cyclops all get covered and Captain America tells her to get away. He tells her to go. And uh so she does. And uh after we see all this stuff happen, she's regrouped with her two uh th- her three thug buddies and uh they're trying to plot what the next thing to do is and the one of the guys says so, "Null," no, that's what he's called, he's called Noel and she's like, Whatever that thing is, we have to do something to f- we have to do something to help she says something to him about how, uh, Doctor Strange isn't. She He isn't a big fa- fan of hers. Now, if you read the previous series, you know at one point she stole a couple items from him in her previous series. So, uh, she's decided that with her friend's help, what she's basically gonna do is try to save Doctor Strange. And, like, we've cut back and forth between the fight and, uh, this particular meeting. And, uh, when we return to the fight, Cat America's getting overrun. That's when he tells her to leave. So pacing wise, she sees him get overrun before she actually flees. Once we return back to present timeline, she tells the guys that they're going to steal something—some one of the most important things to steal. They're going to steal Doctor Strange. So her whole goal now is to pull a heist to steal Doctor Strange back from Null, and that's like—it's a whole—it's a caper, you know. Um, And it's really kind of cool how. She interacts with Cap and the rest of the uh, Avengers that were there. I mean, it's not all, like, handsy with everything, but it's really pretty cool, like, how she views them, and we get that in her, like, retrospect and her thoughts while she's talking, while we're reading her monologue. Really pretty cool. Um, art in the book is fantastic, also. Like, it's it's really good. The cover's really good. The A and B, like, uh, variant covers were cool. But, like, the way they make her fit and the way they make her work with this group of people is really pretty awesome. And, uh, I don't know, Black I guess I've always had a weakness for her as a, as a villainous type. But uh, the idea that we're using her to her best ability to basically rob another dude from a dude is pretty cool. Um, the cover for Issue 2 that they've teased shows us basically Felicia what it looks like covered in a uh, white symbiote and I don't know what exactly that's supposed to be, if it's supposed to be an anti-Venom kind of thing, or or what it really is. But it's a cool cover. So, pretty stoked for that. I mean, it's a fun read. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting little book. Uh, her series is an ongoing, so the beginning of it is dealing with this null stuff, so eventually it'll turn into a normal, like, monthly series of, of things that aren't connected to the crazy Venom God stuff. But yeah, like, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, I dig the pacing on it. As far as, like, a score... I don't know, man. i give it a three and a half. I liked it a lot. Like, it's... The art's really good. And the story's fun. It's, uh... Yeah, it was a cool little read. I, I thought it was pretty awesome. I love the spider buggies in there. I mean, that's stupid 80s nonsense, but I, I think it's great. Josh, what did you know about the uh, the uh old Black Cat? I'm
0: not usually... I, I've never been a big Black Cat fan. I feel like she's just a knockoff of Catwoman. I actually don't know who came first. I mean, we could probably do some research, but, like...
1: I'd assume that Catwoman did, just because it aged the character, but i but, I guess yeah. I never
0: looked. But I've never like been the biggest fan of her. Not that I'm like anti her. I just was like, eh, kinda whatever. But um the art in this book's fantastic. I I real I really like it. Um it almost reminds me of somebody who maybe inked for like uh Humberto Lamos temporarily.
1: Oh maybe. Um I didn't really look who the inker into the inker, but yeah, that's a good possibility. Well, whoever did the art Maybe you know a lot of times. Ink, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. you know inkers take on oh, yeah, like the style say. of a, a preview of art that they worked with, kind of. Sure. But uh, I mean, not not not. But, it's, but the art's really really good.
1: Well, some of the way that she moves, whenever she's like swinging between things yeah. on her cable, is very. Yeah, I can see what you mean. It's Very animated, like the way he does things.
0: Uh, I did see. There's like that Gwenum and Carnage
1: book. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be a three part mini series, Gwenham versus Carnage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the carnage is a Mary Jane carnage. So, uh, that's cool. Um, I'm gonna say that. So, I don't know if, like, she, if that, that, that ties into that. Well, they're all being affected by the same event. And I'm not exactly sure how Gwenham is affected because she's still technically in her own universe. But the King in Black thing is affecting a bunch of different books. Basically, the setup is that we've had the Venom God, Null. Mm hmm show up in New York to trash things, and as he travels across the galaxy, which our other book actually mentions him as well, uh, our other Marvel book, he uh, is just devastated planets getting here. And uh, now he's here, and of course it's up to our heroes to deal with him. How that affects Gwen in her own universe, I don't know. Because the Mary Jane we're dealing with over there is the Mary Jane from her universe, so the lead singer of her band. So I don't entirely understand how that fits, but it is also connected based on title. So, that one actually came out this week, so maybe we'll figure that out. Yeah, I, know, I,
0: I didn't know that about that, but I was assumed that maybe they were connected somehow. Yeah.
1: I mean, they are, but whether it's connected in regular reality or just connected by, I don't know, the Spider-Verse kind of connection, I don't, I don't know. But it is the first time we've had a Gwyn dealt with a Carnage, so that's pretty cool. But I think it's in her own universe, I think. Don't quote me, because I don't know that for sure. No, all right, I'll, give, I'll give
0: it three and a half. That's cool. good. I mean, it's good. I mean, it kept me kept me entertained, so.
1: Like, her previous series got cut a little short because of COVID. It was one of the books that fell to the cancellations.
0: Because, um, I just know about the Gwenham and Carnage thing because of, uh, I follow J. Scott Campbell, just because, like, I'm a sucker for his sure. even though all he does is covers now. He just He's just an eye candy, like. That's what he's good at. Yeah, whatever. It's so annoying, <laughs> but. Such a waste of talent, but whatever, anyway, it just uh I wonder if he did I'm f- a bunch of covers for this one. I don't know if he did or not, but I would assume that he might have
1: you know I don't know I don't think I don't think Blackhead had had one for this run, but the previous run he did do a lot of variant a lot of covers on the previous run. this one, if he did it would have been a store exclusive, probably, so like one through his store. I don't remember there being one that was the one that came to regular store regular shops. So, by memory, I'm going to say no, but he's done a lot of other covers for her in that previous 12-part series. I want to see he did most of the A covers, actually. That one. Yeah, that was the series beforehand. It ran 12 issues, and I'm going to say, I want to say every one of them had an A cover by him. It had a batch of variants, too, and I know he did a couple exclusives, but yeah, that whole run, he did the, uh, the normal covers. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That off his website? Uh, it's just, he just posted it today. Oh, um, I'm gonna say, yeah, that's a cool cover. Uh, yeah, well, check out J. Scott Campbell's website. Nothing else. Look at the pictures because they're really, they're really great.
0: Yeah. I'm not gonna, I, I don't care enough to de- delve deep in to see if he's doing his own covers on there because I really don't care. I'm sure that's I think it is. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, we talked about that uh, people like pay 20 something dollars for or more. a cover that he did. Well, I think they're usually like 20, around 20 bucks off of his website.
1: Sure. He does have a, uh, cover for the Eternals. That's a normal, it was like cover H or J or something. Yeah, he puts
0: out base, like, pay, like, he puts out one here and there. It's probably yeah. part of his contract. Like, we'll give you this many things and <laughs> this many things. Right. You know,
1: all right. Yeah. So that one's one that was just an orderable one through stores. It wasn't a, like, Eternals has a lot of covers. My gosh. So many. But he, he had one of the Eternal covers. All right. Well, well we want to move on to the, uh, the, the Future State Dark Detective? Number one. C si,
0: senor. All right, so this book is written by Mariko Tamaki, and the, the cover and the internal art are both done by Dan Mora. Um, this book takes place, it's part of the uh Future State um, crossover event that's going on, and uh, it's what's going on with the actual Bruce Wayne and his futuristic society. So it opens up and it says, Gotham. And it's looking at a, a graveyard, a cemetery, and it says "now." And it's like in the background is a very, very futuristic city,
1: like straight up cyberpunk looking. It's yeah. It's it says Gotham wild. is a
0: funeral, no one's attending. There's a back ho- digging a grave, and somebody walking through, and I'm just te- texting on the phone, and then you see Bruce Wayne staring at chain fence and looking through. And then it flashes back and says then. And it's, like, Bruce Wayne and an alley and running with a gunshot wound to his stomach. And, uh, there's something chasing him that says, We know who you are. And then it flashes back to now. And, uh, the woman walking through the graveyard with a flashlight, um, flashes on where Bruce was supposedly on the fence a minute ago. And then he's walking away now. There's like, someone there. And all all the while you're getting internal dialogue of him talking about, um, you know, mask people and what's, yeah. what's going on. Right. Like, and how basically Gotham has changed. And then it goes to, uh, some cyber cafe, um, diner thing. And I mean, again, very futuristic, like phone, like everything's just like screens everywhere, very bright neons, like clean, like everyone has fancy glowing phones. He sits down at the, at the, at the thing and he's like, uh, he has just enough credits for a coffee. And, uh, some chick says, um, she's just kind of talking about like, you have Batman, right? And then two days later, it's Bruce Wayne. Hello, celebrities dying threes, right? And about uh, talking about how, cause at this point, everything's Batman has died. Right. And, um, Bruce is just like down on his luck, looking pretty rough. And she's talking about how. You know, was it drugs or was it this or was it that? And he lost all his money and did he kill himself because he lost all of his money? And then it flashes back to the time when he has that, he's being chased by this thing. Right. And, uh, he, it looks like he's gotten away because he's like banging on a door. The person's like, go away. And he's like, I have money. He's like, I can pay. And he's like, if you don't have money, then you're going to die. And it, then he's in on an operating table and what Bruce refers to him as a butcher. The best butcher in Gotham. Um, and he puts on his Batman mask the cowl. Right. To like hide from the fact that like this guy so this cat doesn't know who he is. And he's like digging his bullet out of this, out of Bruce's guts. And the doctor's person is like, what did they shoot you with? Cause it must have really mangled him up. The next it goes to, um, what they call a peacekeeper is the, these new, these like, they have numbers on their heads and like almost like a scantron. Like, kind of like barcode thing. Right. And talking about how, like, um, they've taken care of, uh, the number one promise or the, the promise they made to the magistrate and, uh, and what happened to, um, the number one target. And they'll take questions and that they killed him and taken care of it. And, uh,
1: and they're talking about Batman.
0: Yeah. it's like a big picture of Batman in the background. Cause, like, and then it flashes back to now again, and Bruce is walking through what looks like kind of like a Times Square kind of thing. Right. And, uh, again, they're talking about Bruce Wayne again, and like how he died and he's walking along just kind of on high alert and he is, Hey, and then it's like, he thinks somebody's talking to him and it's like, then it's just like this holographic advertisement of like a guy who was like, you Jim, bro. And, uh he just kind of starts losing it because it's just too much for him. It's like, it's not the Gotham that he knew. And he's like, he's kind of just like, what the heck's going on? This isn't right. And so he just takes off running and he runs into an alley and he's like, kind of gathering himself and he hears somebody getting messed with. And so he, he goes and there's a, there's a gang of like thugs and, um, he walks up behind them and they have like this like weird, like holographic blade thing that like, and the guy, like, swings at him, and so he starts, he starts beating up, and all of a sudden, one of those uh, Peacekeeper things shows up, and, uh, it, so the guy's able to take a, one of the, one of the thugs is able to take a sucker punch and punch him, and then, uh, the things are, like, yelling, like, little, these little drones, I think they, like, kind of precede what, whatever, like, the big Peacekeeper guys are. Right. And uh, I was like, stop all movement, stop all movement, because you're not supposed to be, you know, they're, like, all over the place. Right. And, uh.
1: Policing, patrolling, or if anybody in masks, whether you're good guy, bad guy, doesn't matter.
0: And so as he's um, he starts to run away, and everybody else lays takes off, and uh, this thing is chasing after him like super bright lights. It's you know it's a drone chasing after him, you can go wherever he goes. And all of a sudden he starts ripping off clothes, and he's got this puts on the cowl, and all of a sudden he's like in this very very military esque um, tactical gear like Batman costume. Sure. It's like no cape. Just very like bare bones, like he had to build it, probably.
1: Right. It's very akin to what he was wearing at the be- beginning of Zero Year during U fifty two. So like, yeah, open arms, gauntlets, pants, like tactical jacket or vest, more vest than jacket. And, and one, like, yeah, it's 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 a very different look.
0: One of the things shoots him t- shoots him the leg, and uh, but he pulls out a, a grappling thing and like pulls himself up and. It you know if found him up above, so they he swings across, and he's like trying to get away, and he's still not back to hundred percent. I don't think.
1: No, he's still hurt from the and from and the so surgery.
0: He swings into something and crashes into like side of a building, and then falls and gets up. One of the peacekeeper things is like watching him. And I don't know if it's just one of those, right? So it seems like because it has it's the same oh one on the he- on the on the face mask, right? So there's only one of him. And who that person happens to be, I don't, we don't, we're yet to know.
1: They haven't told us yet. Yeah, the whole magistrate thing is an organization that has taken over as the policing of Gotham and these peacekeepers work for the magistrate. Who exactly the magistrate is, we don't know yet. And as far as the peacekeepers, it appears that the dudes in the suits are probably all different guys, but who any of them are, no idea. And then the drones, yeah, they seem to be, if they're not assigned to particular guys, they might just be random how they're running. But yeah, there's a point where while he's in that alley at the end, he's like, this is all Wayne Tech technology. And I well, yeah, yeah we're not there yet. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: But, uh, the Peacekeeper guy is like, footage from Sector 0502, uh, pause and capture, cause, you know, he's like, he, the guy know. I think the guy knows that it's 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 Bruce Wayne. It seems Wayne. like it's it, so, the case. And then, as Bruce's internal dialogue happens, Batman is dead and Bruce Wayne is dead, and all the mis- all this city, those mistakes helped build Wayne Enterprises, Batman, my technology, my justice. It's what helped build the magistrate, which means I know how to break it down. When I write whatever I am now, I've got nothing left but time to fix this mess. The funeral's over. So basically, he's just like I. It's my it's my stuff. Like they stole it from me, kind of thing. And so like I know how to take it down. And he's like and he's not Bruce Wayne anymore, he's not Batman, he's just like he's just he, he, do he just is. You know, and he just, it just it's him in his brain and so like at this point. I almost wonder if that person in that peacekeeper mask maybe just, I don't know.
1: Yeah, who it is is a good question. If it's somebody that's akin to the past or not, I mean who knows. Uh, but yeah, while he's at, while he's watching that funeral that no one was at, well, the gravestone that's there is for Bruce Wayne. So, it wasn't like, even,
0: it wasn't even a funeral. It was just like they were yeah, digging the grave. Digging a hole
1: in gnomes there. It's so weird. But yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. And like, Jump to the Future, like, Gotham is not the way Gotham normally looks. It's very like, almost Blade Runner-like. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it looks cool though.
0: Yeah, Art art's decent, the store seems interesting. I don't know. But this is... You know, we'll see where this whole feature state thing is going. Like, it's gonna take take place in waves, so there's, like, different time periods. too. Right. So, again, it's weird. I don't know.
1: I uh, got yeah, score with that book there, Josh?
0: I'm good at three and a half. I mean, it was, it was good. Again, I, with these big things, I'm not sure where they're gonna go. You know, like, it's kinda... Sure. But I've seen this before where Batman was reduced to nothing and has to fight with just his wits, and... It's a story I've seen before, it's just a different time period kind of thing. Sure. So we'll see.
1: Well, score wise, you I mean I give it a three and a half two. The art's really great. The story is it's interesting. Um, it is akin to other stories that have happened before and like has a very uh Iron Man deconstructive kind of feel to it. I mean that all leads from what happened in the last batch of Batman books, so it makes sense where it's at. And like future wise, I think this one's supposed to be happening in twenty twenty five, I think. Or twenty thirty, so it's not like crazy down the road. Uh, but yeah, as far as like a thing, whenever a homegirl is talking to him in the in the uh, restaurant, like the world doesn't know Batman is the same, but it seems very much like the dude chasing him does. The Batman and Bruce Wayne are the same guy because when she's talking about him, she's talking about them, them, them like they're different people. And uh, the dude in the mask seems Which, to in the
0: alley says, "I know who you are." So like, right. I don't know if everybody does. You're right.
1: Past what she says, they don't, Like, he definitely does. But does that mean it's because he's old school and he's like somebody under the mask that we know? I I don't, I don't know yet. I mean, maybe.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, I don't know. Is this the first book to come out in the future state thing or not?
1: No, it's not. Um, This is around the second wave. But timely line wise, they don't happen in sequence with each other. So, this is the first part dealing with this particular piece of story. Mm. Um, Yeah. Alright. Well, we move into the uh, Department of Truth. Alright, this is from uh, Image Comics. Uh it is written by James Tinnian the Fourth, and the art's by Martin Simmons. Uh so the book first opens up and uh we've got a guy who's basically being held by the cops. And uh we're in Dallas, Texas. It's uh the twenty second of November nineteen sixty three at seven PM or seven fifty five PM. And, uh, these guys, the people are questioning this man, and they're asking, Did you shoot the president? He's like, No, I work in the building. It was an interrogation room. Yeah. He's being held by these dudes being interrogated. Police officers. Right. And, uh, he's like, No, I just work in, I work in the building. That's why I was there. I work there all the time. And, uh, they continue to ask him those questions. And then eventually, um, he tells them that he's just a patsy. And they're like, Ah, you, you, you lived in the Soviet Union, didn't you? For a little while? He's like, I'm just a patsy. And, uh, then we cut to the, as we're, as we're moving through this, through the story, we have two other guys show up. And these two other guys show up in like, black fedoras, black suits, very, uh, men in black And they take over the room. They tell the officers to leave. That they need the room to themselves. And, uh, they exit, the cops do. And then the two men sit down and, uh, one says, uh, Call, well, one calls him by name, actually. He goes, he tells him, uh, Lee, Lee, nobody's listening. It's just us in the room now. And we get this shot of it, the dude sitting in the chair, and you can see he's got a black eye, and he says they hit him, and he's, he's like, eh, it's all right, like, you realize we're alone now. And so the guy takes off his hat, and he sits down, and, uh, the dude in the suit sits down. Lee, the guy on the other side of the table, who's got the handcuffs on. He says I don't think it really ha I don't think it really happened. And the other guy says to him, None of that matters anymore. And he's like, They they do believe what they do believe what just happened. Those people do think that I he says that's not what we're here for and that's not what we're here to settle. And then uh Lee says well, something it's something big. Something's going something happening big. This is going to change the world. And uh and he's like I can't remember. I I can't really remember what happened. And the uh, the man with the hat, manager, took off his hat. Says, "Well, yes, I was sent here to tell you what's going to happen next. And then we're going to try and make sure everything else, everyone else, understands that too. So they're going to make a decision what's supposed to happen next, and make sure everyone else is on the same page." And Lee says, "Yes, uh, I understand." And he says, "Good. Now say 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 what you remember. Say it so I know it's the truth." And uh, we get a close-up on his mouth, and he says, Up is down, and down is up. And then from there, we cut to Chapter 1, which is a giant shot of the world. And the titling of the first issue is uh, The End of the World. Um, from there, we cut to present day. And we have a black car driving down the road, and we've got two people inside the car. Uh, a blonde-haired man who's currently looks with a bloody nose and blood on his shirt... And then uh, a lady dressed very like the guys from the beginning of the, in the black suit driving the car. And uh the the fellow says to her, well, no, she says it first. She, she asks him if he's going to throw up. And he's like, no, well, maybe. And she's like, don't throw up. The last car they gave me was a piece of junk. I, this car I like a lot. Don't throw up in it. And he's like, are you going to kill me? And then we get a shot to see that we are in... uh we we're in present day, and this is the, uh... We're outside of the Congress, the Congress building. And, uh, they pull into the garage down beneath, and she has him get out of the car, and he asks her again, Are you going to kill me? She's like, Well, you keep asking me that, the maybe. And, uh, she has him follow her, and, uh, the, he, she leads him into a room with a table and an elderly gentleman sitting in a suit. Also a very black suit style. And, uh... They have him sit down at the table and he says, Tell me your name. And the guy says, no, Cole, my name's Cole. He's like, Do you know, do you remember why you're here? He's like, I saw something. I saw something that can't possibly exist. And I know what you, and I think you're going to kill me. And, uh, the man turns to the girl and he says, Uh, <laughs> he's funny. She's like, No, no, he's not joking. He's like, Yeah, I know. It's not a joke. I was, he basically tells her you're trying to be funny. He's like, it's not funny at all. And he says, Uh, you're with the FBI. And he's like, Yes, sir. Quantico, you're a teacher. You're one of those teachers that looks at the funny things on the internet. He's like, well, I investigate information traded between groups of uh, supremacists and different organizations. He's like, yeah, things that I think are funny. He's like, well, I guess they think they're funny. They're really racist. And uh he basically tracks different, uh I don't know what you call those organizations, like they're militia-type groups and stuff. Anyway, he's like, you also track conspiracy theory stuff too. He's like, well, yes. And then the, the old man says, well, tell me about that. Because why? Well, I, I don't know. The son, you're going to have to get over whether you're afraid that we're going to kill you or not. You need to just tell me what you remember and what you know. He's like, well, from the perspective of the world, um, everything I, I track is, so to see how they, how these people that, when they're in charge and sending emails to people, how much influence they have and how much they control the party they're part of. He says, ah, so, uh, so, this most recent thing was with the flat earth. And he's like, that's how you wound up at the conference, right? And he, Cole takes off his glasses and he says, yes. He says, well, let's start at the beginning. And then Cole rubs his head and he says, I have, I've been drinking this weekend and I've been up for so many hours. I don't actually, I don't actually trust my memory, and you really shouldn't either. And the old man says, good. That's a very, very sensible attitude. Now tell me what you saw. And so we cut from there to the uh, outside of what looks like a hotel or an airport. And uh, we have basically a voiceover, like a monologue going on, explaining what's happening. And uh, he talks about how he remembers uh, walking to the hotel conference area and never having thought he'd ever seen so many polo shirts in the same place. Like, what we visually see is a bunch of different people dressed in the same shirt. Very, uh, like a blue with a white stripe in it. And then he talks about how it seemed like everywhere he walked, everyone had the same silly grin on their face. Like, they knew something you didn't know. They knew a secret. And he said, mostly men, but not all men. Mostly white, but not all white. Just everyday people. People you never suspect anything of at all. Average people. Average people. And, uh, and then we see a sign of the Flat Earth Society annual, annual gathering, and he says they, they 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 buy maps of these these versions of the flat Earth, and they they show slideshows, and he basically is what, observing what is the same as any convention, like where there's people selling pictures and T-shirts with the flat Earth idea all over it, and uh, how they all seem to have the exact same grin, the exact same belief about the entire situation. And he says, "Why do you think they believe?" And he says, "Well, it's about control." That's what I think. It's about the uh, being able to control the situations you're in. If you have this belief and you believe it, you believe it wholeheartedly. And so he basically is explaining all this to the to the old man, and he tells him that uh, everyone wants to feel like they're right. And the old man says, "Yeah, well, that's where we all that's where things get a little more twisted." He's tell tell me what the, when when things went sideways. And so we rejoin him at the party again, and this is a uh, a mixture of dialogue and uh and like voiceover, I guess is how you would say it. And uh, a fellow comes up to him and says, "Hey, you're Cole Turner." He's like, "Yes, yes, I am." He's like, uh ah, Special Agent Cole Turner." He's like, "Yes." He's like, "Why don't you come with me?" He's like, "Um, I don't think I should." He's like, "You should come with me. This is the one moment of all the moments that's going to change your life forever." He's, "Don't you want that?" And, of course, we see Cole kind of make a deep gulp and move forward with the man. He follows him. He takes him to another, like, banquet room where there's a few older men all sort of standing around, drinking and laughing with each other, and uh, they're real happy that Cole's has come. And they are very aware that he's part of the FBI as well. And, like, as he's talking to these old men, like, we see these crazy reflections in his glasses of them, and their mouths are just crazy teeth, and, like... I don't know, it's, it's kind of gross, actually. It's like very, I don't know, almost like horror story. Like, we see the old man, when he walks up to him, and they look fairly normal. But then when he's close to him, the reflection in his glasses is just so crazy. And they're all talking to him about how, oh, they want him to, uh, they want him to come with him. They want him to show him something. They want him to take him on a trip so he can help expand what people believe and so he can show them all the truth. He's like we we're the kind of guys that like to get things get get the wheels greased with uh getting things done in the uh, government, and uh they basically are, are trying to convince him to come with them on this little trip. And then, well, that goes on for a while. He uh, we cut to a, a, a voiceover again, and they tells that they took him into a little side room. In the side room, they had the projector set up, and there's a whole bunch of men standing around getting ready to watch this video. And then there was a woman, a woman in a red dress. And we get a shot of her, and she's got, like, a bonnet on, and a pair of dark sunglasses inside the building. Like, really big dark sunglasses. And, uh, they start playing the video, and as they watch the video, all the men in like, crazy, just, like, on the edge of their seat. And the what they're playing is footage of the original moon landing. As they're watching it, we see a shot go past the, uh, go past the astronaut to where we can see a man standing there holding a cup of coffee, watching it being filmed. So, basically, they're watching footage of the moon landing that everyone saw being shot to show the world. And after we get past that, the whole room erupts in a, like, a a laughter or a, a cheer of they can't believe they finally saw the proof they needed to see about the fake moon landing and how it was faked by the government and it kind of goes over a lot of that. Like, there's a lot of inner monologue in here with that. And, uh, they talk about how they, to release the plan, how they plan to release it, how they plan to show it to everyone, and how it, things like this, don't get much bigger, but there, there is something else bigger that they are working for. And then we cut back to the room, and we have Cole sitting there with the old man. He's like, he asking, him, well, why, why did you go? And he's like, well, is it's something I wanted to learn. Like, from the, from the corners of the internet, I study the extreme corners. Honestly, I thought it was going to come to ground. I thought that I was going to learn something that I didn't know already. And so he felt like he needed to go because everything else he's investigated had not been real. And uh, he was pretty surprised by the footage that he saw, and that, that rocked him a little bit. So we find out that he was invited to go on a, on a trip. So they all, they all load into a plane and leave from the uh, convention, while he's on the plane, uh, they all are having drinks and sharing cocktails and stories, and eventually he falls asleep on the plane. And then uh, several hours later, he's woken up by one of the men. and He's like, "Look out your window and see what what they've been hiding from us all these years." And he looks out the window, and we get this like a view from the window looking into the plane, and we see coal. And the man behind him, his face is just distorted, like his teeth are crazy. His eyes are crazy. He's got a giant bulbous nose. But we'd seen him just a second before and he looked normal. And he tells him, we're off the, we're off the grid. We're off the map, boy. Here there be monsters. And we cut to the outside of the plane and we see the plane flying in this giant white light that is just surrounded by crazy planets and weird map symbols and... A lot of nothing, which is really pretty crazy. A cascade of colors. And, uh, Cole responds, Oh, Jesus. He's like, Yes, praise Jesus. And Cole's freaking out. He's like, I need to get off the plane. Like, I, I need to, I need to get out of here. And as he's trying to get through the dudes to the back of the plane, the lady that we saw earlier runs into him in the middle and she says, Did you see? It's important that you see. And she removes her glasses, and we see that her eyes are replaced with X's. Like giant X's where her eyes should be. And, uh, of course that freaks him out even worse. And, uh, he finally gets into the bathroom, and he throws up in the sink. And, uh, tries to compose himself as the plane lands. After the plane's landed, all the men are disembarking from the plane. And, uh... Now, where we're at, there's a lot of snow, and uh, the runway they're on is encompassed by um, basically a field of just white, so snow. And there's a giant, uh, like, wet bunker where you put your uh, plane at. And all the men are outside, and they're dressed in their winter co- coats. A, and ha- a, a hanger. A hanger, that's what I wanted, yeah, a hanger. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh man, this is. They're And they're all super happy. They're like, oh, look how crazy this is. Can't wait for the world to know the truth. And, uh,. As they're all standing out there, we see another hooded person dressed uh, for the winter come walking up, but the, this particular person is dressed all in black and carrying an automatic weapon. And that person begins to shoot pretty much everyone. And Cole freaks out, and he wants to be hit in the ground trying to get, a, get, trying to get away. And eventually, after everyone else has been shot, the only person we don't see is the lady in the red dress, and she's not out there. But this person with a gun kills everyone. Except for Cole. And here Cole lays in the snow with a bloody nose after hitting the ground. And, uh, the person calls him by name and says, Cole Turner? Special Agent Cole Turner? And he's like, yes? I'm here to take you home. And then we cut back to the, uh, interrogation room. And, uh, he's like, and that's, that's all I know. You, you can kill me now. And the old man says, we're not going to kill you. Calm down. And he looks at the, the woman behind him and he addresses her. This is the first time we hear her name. He says, what do you think, Ruby? She goes, he's fine. He's like, yeah. Yeah, he'll do. He's in shock, but he kept his, 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 kept most of the important details. I could use someone a little more plugged into the moment. And that's like a response about, you know, how she feels like he's doing. And like the dude's clearly a wreck at this point. Cole is. He's like, what's, what's happening? He's like, we're poaching you. The dull man tells him, We're poaching you. You've been poached. Uh, you don't work for the FBI anymore. You work for us. He's like, I don't. I don't understand. He's like, son, the world is round. It goes around the sun. Get me a big, big laser pointer and uh, a few meter sticks, and I'll prove it to you. That's the truth. But the truth is not always the truth because of science. What you saw at the end of the world was a sliver of another kind of truth. And the truth can take hold as long as enough people believe in the truth. He's like, okay, what you're saying is kind of, uh, kind of spacey. It's, it's, I I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. And the old man's like, "Ah, well, the whole world, if the whole world was going to be Buddhist and everyone believed they were Buddhist, the whole world would be Buddhist. And he's just still like, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. Um, he, he says, well, we're going to share some more information with you. And, uh, the main thing about, about what we're doing is trying to make sure that beliefs don't get too out of hand. And then Cole looks at me and he's like, well, if the truth is just what you believe, is the belief in the body of the, of believing? And the old man tells him, Well, yeah, Cole, Jesus. You're a part you're a part of this, right? You're missing the scale of things. I'm gonna tell you a secret. The more people that believe in something, the more true that thing becomes. The more reality tips in the favor of that belief. And like the revelation there is really pretty cool as far as like what it what it really is. And he tells him, Cole, the world is really, the world is really changing. And uh He's like, the moon landing would be a hoax if enough people believed it was a hoax. And, uh, Cole is trying to deal with what he thinks about that. And the old man puts his papers away and he gets, stands up from the table and he basically tells them that, uh, that what their job is is to, uh, control conspiracy theories and make sure they stay conspiracy theories. And now you get to be a part of that. You're lucky. And he's like Ruby here. We'll get you get you sorted and answer and answer your questions for now. And then Cole's like, "What? Wait, I have a question." And he's like, "I wouldn't want you. To, I wouldn't wouldn't want you if you didn't." And uh, eventually, uh, as Ruby and him are leaving the room, he's like, "Look, I I don't even know who the hell you people are." He's like, "Oh, I guess I skipped that part, didn't I?" And then we get this crazy like symbol of what the comic book logo is—the Department of Truth. He says, the old man says, My name's Lee Harvey Oswald. Welcome to the Department of Truth. And that's where the first book, like, ends. So the old man we were dealing with the entire time we were with Cole is Lee Harvey from the beginning with the conspiracy theory about shooting the president. As a thing, like, and I'm a conspiracy theory fan type person, unfortunately. Or fortunately. The dialogue is way better than what I gave you. I gave you pieces of it and, like, abridged versions of things because that's how the show works. But, man, the writing is really sharp. And it's it's interesting the way the wordplay goes around itself. Uh, the art is crazy. I mean, it's it's super wild. And I don't necessarily feel like it's something I like on a different book. But this book, like, everything that Cole is seeing and experiencing is just so crazy. That I think the art being as wild as it is makes a lot of sense. Because it's, it's like things are sort of normal, but they're not normal. And when you see the reflections of the old men, like they look like monsters. Like almost Joker esque. But you know, that's not what they really look like. That's just the perception of them. And like that's all really crazy. So there's this whole duality thing going on that's really kind of awesome. In another book, I don't think I'd like this art style, but for this particular book, I think it's fantastic. Um, but it is really wild, and it is kind of abrasive, which I think is also supposed to be part of what's happening, because we're experiencing the shock of the world being crazy the same way Cole is, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as, like, a score, I mean, i give it a three... A three and a half. Uh, it's a pretty... it's Yeah, it's interesting. And, like, the whole... Concept of truth being what truth is most believed in mean, my brain is crazy, but uh, yeah, I dig it. It's uh, it's interesting. And the drop at the end where this is the, the old man is Lee Harvey Oswald that's also pretty cool.
0: Well, it was obviously him at the beginning.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, for um, when they say it's Lee,
0: neat that he's part of the department at the end, right? Um, I don't like the art at all, I think it takes away from the writing. I think the writing is fantastic, and I don't. I don't I give the writing, like, a four, four and a half. I give the art, like, it's its not bad art. I just don't like it as a comic book.
1: Sure. It is wild. I don't like
0: I'm... it. It's too messy, and it's too hard. To ma- it makes it harder to follow. Um, I give the art, like, a two. I, I like it as, like, as art that you hang on your wall. It's neat. Like, it's good art. It's just, as a comic, the flow of it's too hard. Sure. It's too difficult. Like, I get what you're saying. You know, I respect that part of it. You know, like I get what because you know the story's kind of wonky, but it seems like a book that like maybe like Gerard Way would write, like in that kind of aspect. And like it's really cool, like the idea is neat, but uh, but it also has like an American Gods kind of feel, where like American Gods, like
1: sure, yeah, I can see things only things yeah.
0: only exist w- because people believe in them. Sure, and the more thi- more people believe in them, the stronger they are, right? So like that's kind of like it's the same premise, but
1: sure. Just with conspiracies instead of gods. I mean that's the same way the nowhere's got there. That's the same way Thor and Loki work in Marvel. So that part's not like an originally like super out of nowhere kind of idea. But this spin on it is pretty interesting. Did you have a score overall for it? So you bounce it out what
0: you get like a three, three? maybe. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well yeah, interesting. It's already gone the third print, um, so it's pretty popular. The uh the coloring scheme on the first prints has like a red tone to it for the covers. The second print have a blue tone and then the third prints have a mix of the two. So it's uh it's an interesting uh it's an interesting mix between the way the second print and third prints happen. So I I, I think that's neat. But yeah, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, this is the same dude who has been writing regular Batman over the past couple of months and he's a good writer, so dig it. All right, so from there we'll move into uh, some Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so this will be issue number eight, written by uh, Al Ewing, and the uh, art on it is by uh, Marcio Takara. And like the first page, of course, gives us a roll call. So we have Rocket, Nova, Marvel Boy, Hercules, Philevell, Moon Dragon, and Groot, that are uh, our cast of current Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, when the book first opens up, we have Rocket basically dressed like on a straight-up suit with fedora, like, 50s fifties uh, 50s detective style, basically. And he's in there drinking a flask, and he's got this gun in his hand, and he's giving us a breakdown of what currently happens, so he's giving us a rundown what's what's going on. And so he's like, let me start from the beginning. He talks about how the, the Scroll and Kree alliance happened, and uh, that put uh, Hulkling in charge of everything, and now they're all trying to work together to figure out how to make this work with the different factions, yada, yada, yada. And that's like him giving you the breakdown of what's happening in the first the first whole batch of dialogue the whole time he's drinking out of his flask. Pretty pretty hilarious actually. He's like, anyway, so they they're talking about how the weapons and this this particular moment it's a bad moment because we've uh we've had a murder that happened in the bathroom. Or in the toilet's what he says, but it's in the bathroom. And uh he's decided he's going to be the uh the one that figures out what's going on and who really did what. And we come from there to see that we basically have a group of these delegates that were at a a meeting to decide how they were going to move forward with the the Kree and scroll all being connected, and the super scroll is in there, and he's in the process of trying to hold a trial for Marvel, who they are accused of killing this guy, and uh, of course Marvel says he hasn't, and he really didn't, and while this is all going on. He, uh, he starts talking about how Marvel Boy is found looming over my second Valor. And he's like, do you not understand what this, what killing Stowe has done? Stowe is the, uh, the fellow got killed. He's like, Stowe is a, uh, member of the Stark Snarks? And he says, by killing him, it's gonna cause a, a Snark War. He's like, do you not understand what that means? The Snark War, the way it works, the Snark was the lead of his empire. And he has lots of kids. With him dying, they will all form their own factions and have a giant battle to decide who the new leader is and kill billions in the process of just getting to the who the next leader will be. And he's like all these deaths, these trillions of deaths are gonna be on are be, are be your your fault. And Marvel Boy's like, I I really didn't kill him. He's like, Silence And then he accuses Marvel Boy again of causing all this bloodshed and destruction and He's like, talks about how he, he shot him and killed him with his own sidearm, and he's like, also, I didn't do that. And like, we see Rocket is currently holding the gun that's being accused of being used on, on the fella in the bathroom. And, uh, Hercules Hark- Hark- jumps in the middle, and he's like, shut up, let him speak. Super Scroll. And he's like, oh, so he can just keep denying it and lying to us? And then we see, like, sort of a flashback for a second of a dude being shot in, in the head. And, uh, that he was shot somehow with his own gun which is also kind of weird. And uh, Hercules says, well, I believe him. And the Super Scroll says, well, you would believe him. And they basically go about arguing with each other about it. And so uh, from there, Rocket says, well, here's what we're going to go ahead and do. I'm going to go ahead and figure out who the murderer is, because the only person that could have killed this person is here. Because so I went through and investigated all the service droids here, and none of them would have been able to do what has happened. And since they're all autonomous robots, it can't be anybody but one of the members here at this particular event. And so he basically alerts everyone to knowing that they are currently trapped because he's sealed the doors with a uh, one-hour deadlock that cannot be undone. And uh, he hands the gun to the Super scroll and says, Hey, go ahead and shoot uh, Shoot this gun. Make sure it works. Prove that it works. And so the Super scroll takes it and he swings it to the side and he shoots the ground. And of course it blows a hole in the ground. And then we see Rocket as he's drinking out of his flask. He's like, okay, go and uh, sh- shoot Novar in his head. So, um, Marvel Boy. And, uh, All the Guardian's are like, what? No, 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 what? And Marvel Boy's like, uh, don't, don't have him do that, Rocket. And Rocket's like, no, dude, it's fine. And Rocket's like, what, you'd be political justice? Blam! Avenged by you. He's like, go ahead and pull the trigger. And, uh, so he points the gun at Captain Mar- or at uh, Marvel Boy, and Marvel Boy's like, uh, "Wait, don't let him don't let him hit that." And uh, Hercules is like, "If you do the Super Scroll, the death's gonna be on your head." And I, he basically tells him he's gonna take him out. And we see uh, the Super Scroll point the gun at him, pull the trigger, and the gun abruptly turns face in his hand and shoots the Super Scroll in the face, blowing a giant hole in his eyeball. And Super Scroll is like, you knew that would happen. And Rocket says, yeah, it's a good thing I know you're a shapeshifter, and that you'd never keep your brain in the obvious place. From there, one of the other, one of the, one of the girls grabs Rocket's flask away from him, and he's like, what? The weapon was targeted, it has a target array, it was too big. And basically explains how he knew it would happen. So since Rocket builds weapons, pretty much as a regular thing, he knew it was designed funny, and that something was different about it. So it turns out this particular gun, when it's aimed at a Cree, when it fires, it will spin backwards on whoever's using it. So it can't be used against a Cree. and the style of gun it was, if if Cap Marvel had it, he shot it, it would have done the same thing to him. So the guy getting shot in his head by himself is because he was the one trying to kill Marvel. And uh one of the other delegates, the lizard-faced dude, whose name I don't know, He's like, well, what would be the possible reason for him trying to do that? He's like, well, to create a war, of course, is what Rocket says to him. And he's like, Valor hated Marvel Boy. Him shooting Novar in some place private would be a way to get away with it. And the death would cause a problem with our meeting here, and that would just things, which would lead to a war because of the death of a Kree. And basically, he walks around Colombo style explaining, like, why why he would have done it and why he tried to do it where he did it at, and it got him dead himself. And, uh, one of the other ladies says, well, so what are you trying to say? He's like, I'm saying that someone here wants to, uh make sure this conference fails, and somebody wants to disable the galactic peace in the process. Fun fact, before I enter, oh, this is when he tells everybody about the room. I, I got that out of order. He's like, fun fact, everybody have, uh, after I checked all the robots, I sealed this in here with a one-hour time limit in the room, so nobody's leaving until we figure out who the killer is. So it's very, like, it's very Columbo-like. Uh, which, if you don't know what Columbo is, I mean, I guess Google him. Peter Falk, an awesome show from the 80s. Anyhow, so, uh, <laughs> Rocky tells him that uh, I also programmed an uh, hour-long delay, so even if somebody tries to mind-control me to reset the locks, it won't work. And, uh, he, he looks at Moondragon, and he's like, yeah, we should maybe do that to everybody. Why don't you and the two other telepaths go and read everybody's mind real quick, just to see if anybody has murder on the mind. And, uh, one of the, one of the other telepath ladies, one of the other aliens, is like, I completely object to this. And about that point, we realize that there's a tentacle touching her head. And, uh, the tentacle belongs to one of the other mind readers. And she says, oh, she's fine. Or, or you read her. And so they go around the whole room and can't find anybody that's currently thinking about murder. And so uh, that leaves Rocket to to say, well, we're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way. So whoever's uh, the one that did the killing must either be blocking the mind reader's ability or be naturally able to block mind reading. So it's going to be a lot harder. He says, well, why don't you look for somebody, you know, who's currently thinking about, I don't know, destroying the uh, meeting. And so Moon Dragon looks at him and he's like, I, I already found somebody. It's the Peacekeeper. And the Peacekeeper is this giant green looking alien dude that basically has a robotic chest. And, uh, he's from the Chitari. And, uh, Peacekeeper says, ah, I am Peacekeeper of the Chitari. And, uh, I was hoping this would take longer for anyone to figure out, but, uh, I'm here to keep peace. And by keeping peace, I will destroy all of you. And his chest, like, opens up to reveal a giant bomb inside of his chest that's currently priming to be, to sh- to, sh- to blow up. He's like, I apologize for the delay. Please wait quietly. And, of course, everybody in the room freaks out. And uh, Nova jumps into action. He's like, it's a, it's a biobomb. It's an ex- it's explosive. We have to de- disarm it. And uh, she, Moondragon says, yes, but he didn't murder Stoat, the guy who was killed in the bathroom. He's here to detonate the bomb. That's two different things. We have only we have two minutes. She, she gets all that information from reading his mind. And he's like, yes, I am Peacekeeper. And, uh, basically explains the only way to keep peace is to destroy all you people. Which, I mean, I don't know, it's very, uh, I think, uh, Sinestro-like. And so, uh, Nova gives, um, the order to Hercules to run and try to disable the bomb and get a hold of him and hold him in place, and then the two of them are gonna work on fixing it. And, uh, we see Rocket, and he's got his flask again drinking out of it. He's like, ah, Chitari diplomacy. And, uh, a woman standing next to him that's green green skin tone makes a, a comment to him and we see Marvel boy rush into action to try to help disable the bomb and Nova and, uh, and Hercules are all both grab a hold of this giant because he was huge. Like, he's a, he's a big dude. And, uh, Rocket just continues to stand there talking and he's like, huh, you know what's funny? I think a killer would block, the, block their, would use a blocker for the t- to telepaths. That takes a lot of planning. If the killer was going to block themselves from telepathic reading, why would they bother with a biobomb? These are two different things. And there's a horsehead dude, which I don't know what alien race he is, but it's a dude with a horsehead. And the dude with horse horsehead's like, uh, listening to him talk, and he's like, you know what? Even if she tried to leave the room, she's not gone. He's like, she? With a question mark. He's like, and he, with a question to Rocket. And he's like, oh yeah. They prefer to be called she's. And he looks over at the green lady and he's like, Isn't that right, Leo Kan? Which I don't know if we've ever named her before, but uh this Leo Can is a green green skinned woman, big hair, fancy dress. And she's like, What do you mean, me? Like and she tells us what race she's from. Rockets is like, You showed no emotion at all when we realized when we announced the biobomb and she's like, We don't show fear He's like, Yeah, you don't show fear but uh so it means that either you're able to survive the biobomb or that you have a way to escape. And that means that you're not who you say you are because the race you're from is a race that is a shut-in race. They don't ever come to these things. So either you intercepted their invitation to the party or you knew they wouldn't come, so you came in the place anyway. So basically explains that this, this particular alien race being here is completely against the normal process of how they work. Because their planet is a shut-in planet. And of course, we flash, from there we flash over to Hercules and Groot and everybody trying to wrestle with the Peacekeeper. And, uh, Groot comes running and he's like, ah, oh, Groot's coming! And, uh, now the whole group of the Guardians is basically holding onto the biobomb, trying to arm the dude while he's shaking around fighting him. And we cut back to, to Rocket, and, uh, as he looks at he's like, you're using, like, a, a biojammer, like, a, a, like, to make you look different than you normally look. And the, uh, the one, the woman says, ah, clever. Very clever for a mammal. He's like, eh, yeah, just, I'm just getting started, lady. You killed Stowe first, the First Order of Business, to start the Stark War. Because the Stark War is where weapons get made. You're a marketeer. You make weapons, you sell weapons. See, so you're the one that built the weapon that turns backwards. So that means that there's a lot of those weapons out there. you sold a lot of them to the wrong side. So once these weapons start going off, I bet you if we investigate, we'll find a whole lot of people that have died... By random weapon mischarge on the outer rim, and the, she sort of laughs and is like, "Well, that's how you keep the war going. You gotta, you know, drop bodies." And he's like, "Yeah, you know, this one wasn't rigged specifically. It just happened. He had one of the rigged guns, which also worked in your favor." And then, uh, as he's talking to her, he says, "Oh, I already know who you are. You can quit, basically, quit hiding yourself." And she removes the green, like a uh, holocron version of what she looked like. And we see that underneath is a purple haired lady, also dressed very like aristocratic, sort of a uh, almost sort of fifties like singer style. And uh he says, You're the profiteer. I know who you are. And the profiteer is like one of those characters that I don't know, kinda like the gardener and all the uh galactic sentient beings She's one that doesn't care about war, but likes to profit off it, so she'll sell weapons to both sides to cause problems and doesn't care how many bodies stack up. Because she's only in it for the game of making money. Which seems weird for a celestial being, but whatever. Anyway, so, um uh, as Rock is basically shaking her down, we see that the the group battling over the biobomb is not winning. They are really not standing. Like, her gets punched out, and, uh, Rock gets- As Rock continues to talk to her, he's trying to convince her that whatever she needs to do is to stop what's happening. And she's like, no, no, the snark war works perfect for me. I'll sell guns to both sides, I'll make money on both sides. It doesn't matter if a billion of them die in the middle. And, like, that conversation goes on for a minute, and then we see Nova kind of get punched out. And then, while this is all happening, the lizard head guy says, oh, I'm getting a phone call. And he takes the phone call, and... As he's talking near a rocket in the, uh, in the profiteer, he gets the message that his home world has gone dark. And, uh, best he can understand, that means everyone on the planet is dead. And, uh, as he continues to take the phone call, it only seems to get worse and worse and worse. Then he gets off the phone and he's asked by one of the other attendants, like, wh- what's going on? What was such dire? Like, what, what was the message? He tells her, Oh, it's the end of everything. Um something's been coming across the galaxy that uh wiped out my homeworld and a bunch of other homeworlds near it. And it's heading this direction and continuing to move and destroy things all across the rim worlds. And uh Marvel hears that and he's like, What? And then the super scroll is like, uh that can't that can't be true. He's like, no no it's uh it's a skill of un- of unimaginable it's an unimaginable skill. And it it's just continuing to happen. And we see the uh the profiteer kind of gesture and make like a shrugging her shoulders kind of thing. He's like, Oh, you don't understand. Um once uh all these factions are dead, they're not gonna fight each other because 'cause will all be dead. If everyone in this room dies, there'll be nobody to fight the battles and nobody to buy any of your weapons. And that turns her from being okay with the situation to not being okay with the situation. And uh she decides, well, if we're going to keep having war, we're going to have to have people to lead these people to fight. So I need to save all of you. Enemy, my enemy, and my enemy becomes my friend situation. And so she uh, basically says her goodbyes and teleports herself and the peacekeeper out of this, out of the, out of the, well, wherever. We don't even see where they go. She teleports them away, and Rocket's like, huh teleport her, huh? Would never help to lock the doors anyway. And uh we cut to the aftermath of that, and so she's gone and the peacekeeper's gone, so the biobomb is not a problem anymore. And uh the super scroll's like, huh, that was a pretty pretty good idea to, to trick her that way. And the Guy is like, oh no, it wasn't a trick, I was telling the truth. That's all real. My homeworld's dead, it's a husk. And uh Nova's like, What do you mean? Like like Galactus? He's like, no, no, something else, something darker. There was one last message that was played from my home world, and it was a final scream. It was only one name, and then we cut to the very last page, and it's a big headshot of Null, the uh, Venom God. So the wiping out of his world comes from the Venom God crossing to come to Earth, which is what's currently going on in the King of Black, where the Avengers and... Carnage, and well, no, Venom, I guess Carnage isn't there. Venom and a whole handful of other superhero types are trying to stop this invasion. Um, and that's where the book r- r- really wraps, is that reveal that, oh, it's Null and he's coming. And his face looks super crazy. Uh, art's pretty good. I mean, it was, a, it was a fun read. There is a lot going on in the book, because there's a lot of names and a lot of faces and a lot of characters. And I don't necessarily feel like all of them were named in previous issues, 'Cause like the horse head guy, no idea who that is. But as a thing, it's it was basically a whodunit kind of issue. And so I don't know, I dug it. Um as far as the score, I mean, Al Ewing's a good writer. He's also writing the uh we only find them when they we only find them when they're dead, which is a fantastic series. So dude's a good writer. Uh he's also been writing the Immortal Hulk. I feel like maybe this one, if you're if you read the previous two issues, this would probably be a little more seamless. But again, I don't really know if all these characters were dropped name-wise before or not. So, I feel like the ones we know, we recognize. The other ones, it could be anybody. Uh, but as far as the score, I mean, I give it a three. It's a pretty decent, you know, fun read. I- I'd like Rocket Raccoon being a showboat. I think that's cool. Uh, Josh, what do you know about the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy?
0: I gave it a two. It was hard for me to follow. Just like, I usually am pretty up on Guardians, and I was just like, kind of confused what was going on. I mean, just all over the place. It seems like like they just keep introducing new aliens, new this, new that. So I was like,
1: eh.
0: Eh. Kind of unimpressed.
1: Like I said, there's a lot of faces on it. And a lot of faces, I don't necessarily think matter
0: so much. It's like, even at one point, it was just like, just to keep like, oh, we forgot we had this character in there. It was like Hercules and, uh, super, like other people are trying to fight, like keep the, get the guy, like, fight and, the peacemaker. And, and then all of a sudden they're just like, we need some more help here. And then all of a sudden Groot's like, oh, I'm Groot. I'll come help. It's just like, why weren't, why wasn't Groot there to begin with? He could have like held that thing down with his power. It, it's, it was just very like, kind of like, I don't know, the writing was real odd to me.
1: It's a lot of cast of people, and you're right, Groot only shows up that one time. And that's, I think he's in the background of the opening shot, but other than that, he doesn't really do anything else.
0: And it's like he could have been at the like he could have like held the thing's arms and legs down with his powers, like grabbed him with like the tree stuff and like, you know.
1: Well, sure. I mean, Peacekeep, Peacekeeper is a pretty strong character, too. Yeah, but Groot's
0: really, really strong, too. Right. So he should have like, been
1: there from the beginning.
0: You know, I was, it, it just things like that. There's other things, too. It's just like, i I don't know. I don't know. Uh it's just it was just kinda all over the place. Okay. This is my opinion. No, so you're good, like,
1: yeah. Right on. Well, as a thing, um we're gonna move on to uh to the second half of the Dark Detective. This is the uh, Grifter story. You wanna tell me a story about Grifter?
0: Yeah, so it's a backup story, but it's basically like split split fifty fifty. It's like it's it's a f-
1: it's the second half of the book, yeah. yeah it's a
0: full size book. Um and this is about Grifter Takes place in the whole future state cross, uh, massive crossover thing that's going on called No Future, No Past Part 1, um, written by, uh, Matthew Rosenberg and illustrated by Carmine D. uh, Gian Domenico. It's a heck of a mouthful of a name. Gian Domenico. I think pretty sure that's how it is. Or Gian Domenico. Anyway, yeah, that person. Sure. Um, starts out with a scripter. Wine shirt sitting there, had, looks like in shape for a few days and uh and he says, This isn't as bad as it looks. I get it, angry guy with a gun to my head. None of the lovely people behind me gonna lift a finger to help. On the surface these things look bad. But it's all relative. And uh it's him sitting at a table with a bunch of you know, not biker le- types. less than char- less than decent characters in Gotham City. During that time when Gotham is overrun by this uh utopian, weird
1: Yeah, the magistrate. Yeah. Uh, whatever that really is.
0: This this guy with a skull mask thing is like, I want to blow your brains out, haze He's like, This means this means you fold? He's like <laughs> And then it's like Grifter talking to himself, internal dialogue He's like, it's not actually my name, my name's Cole Cash. Some people used to know me as Grifter. Hopefully nobody in here. He's like, I used to be like one of them. Nobody would have called me a hero, but unless I got paid to come after you, you wouldn't call me a villain either. And, but I was neither big enough or dumb enough to get my face on that magistrate's most wanted list. And uh, he's just like tells the guy, he's "Like, you, you, you sure you want to do this?" He's like pulling a gun. You're gonna, it's gonna get you in trouble with the magistrate, man. And it's like, you know, one of those peepers, peeps keepers, is gonna show up and you know take care of these things. And all of a sudden, he pulls a knife out of his sleeve, stabs the guy in the in the hand. He's like. He's like, uh, and by the way, I always have something on my sleeve because the guy accused him of having a card up his sleeve.
1: Right. He he's like, cheating. don't accuse
0: me someone of cheating unless you're really sure you can take them in a fight, moron. And he <laughs> grabs the guy's gun, and then he goes, "I raise," and he folds. And everybody's like, uh, and then like all of a sudden he's like, "Don't act like you never seen anybody stabbed before, jeez!" And then behind him he's like, "Oh," and there's two people they're like. Uh, Gotham City Police, can we have a war? He's like, I'm in the middle of a big hand. Can we do this later? And they're like, no. He's like, and then Griffith starts thinking like, you know, I, I, there's no way these guys are cops. Like, there'd it, be peacekeepers and tanks and also uh, around a place like this. And uh, he's like, by the way, guys, gun's not mine. He's like, we're not here about the gun. He's like, then you got the wrong guy, lady. I didn't do it. He's like, we well, you know who you are. Cole Cash. And everybody, at the bar goes silent. He's like, well, frag. <laughs> He's like, yo, you're Cole cash, you're dead. And Grifter's looking real dumb, coming in here. You shot my brother, man. Everyone, calm down. I can explain. He's like, ah, not really. So he just smashes one guy with a beer mug, and everybody's coming at him. And what, like, some big guy smashes him with one of those um batons that like that come out like those police right. baton things. And he's like, he's like, what do you hit me for? He's like, I hired you for protection. You never showed up. He's like, what protection from what? Superman? He's like, no. I was. And he's like, I don't care. He you know, like elbows a guy in the face and somebody kicks him and he smashes through a window. And, uh,
1: like the dude he smashes in the face, he he's a big dude. Like, well, rock, the rock big.
0: Yeah, but one, another, a different guy kicks him in the back. Right. And, and, uh, and he's like, not ideal, but I'll take any X I can get. And then he like, he like, you know, cause he lands, crashed onto a onto car. And, uh, he's like, well, damn, maybe they were cops. And it's just like, a little Ed 209 looking like dro- uh, drone thing, bunch of Gotham City Police people, bunch of other big old robots, and and they're like, "Stop, freeze!" And he's like, "Good luck catching me." He all decided to play dress up in 40 pounds of military gear, so he just takes off running all super fast, and then a car hits him. And he's <laughs> like, "I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay." He's like, "You said he's like, so you said he had some questions for my officer?" And they're like, "Should have just talked to his cash. And now you're a magistrate problem." So he gets thrown into the back of a paddy wagon. And, uh, you know, doing his thing. He's like, I'm not paying for that windshield. And they have some, like, laser, like, kind of, like, handcuff tech. And they're, like, hanging from the, you know, hanging from the ceiling. So he's sitting there. And across from him is, uh, Luke Fox. Yep. AKA Batwing.
1: Batwing, Alicia's Fox's son. The, the popular one, yep.
0: He's like, and he's like, hey, Cole, is that you? And he's like, no, sorry. He's like, come on, man. It's me, Luke Fox. He's like, Luke? I guess Gotham's finest finally turned down a bribe. He's like, These aren't cops. The magistrates have us. And I'm here for the same reason you are. He's like, doubt that. He's like, they're finishing all the roundups, all the masks and capes are targets. He's like, I'm way out of the game. I don't associate with anyone, and I don't know anything anymore. He's like, Batwing hasn't flown in years either. But here I am, and they don't care. It's anyone who can help them catch the rest of the deck. Known associates, people, with information. And then he starts, and then, uh, Luke starts to whispers, like, you gotta get me out of here. He's like, get yourself out of here, man. <laughs> he's like, wait, forget that. You get me out of here. He's like, are you drunk? He's like, not noticeably. He's like, well, I just noticed <laughs> like, Well, sure. When you're having a conversation, he's like, you know, you gotta help me. I got, you know, I got $50,000 here to, if you do. And then he's like, um, you know, you used to help my dad. He hired you when he's like, and then, hits a raw nerve with Grifter and Grifter's like don't bring him up he's like don't you think you owe him don't you think you owe my family Cole he's like I said drop it he's like what you can't even look at me in the eye when I mention him and then Grifter kicks him right in the face and knocks him out and uh cause he's you know his feet are still free right and then he starts kicking on the door and I say hey guards and he's like this guy just started puking blood and he's like and they're like what and he's like yeah and he passed out and they're like well whatever he's like you know who his dad is?" Lucius Fox, kid's Gotham royalty, man. I wouldn't even want him choking to death on his own blood in the back of my truck, but what do I know? I'm like, oh, here we go. I was like, don't move, scumbag, come back unless you want just an ass kicking he's like, oh, I don't. Like, Steve, this guy is pretty mess, messed up. How far out are we? And then Grifter, like, wraps his legs around him, and chokes the guy out. And, um, he's like, Luke, grab his gun, because he thinks Luke's away. And Luke's not, right. not Luke is knocked out. He pulled and,
1: out knocked him out. And yeah. the guy's
0: trying to shoot him, and and, uh, he finally figures it out and, like, kicks the guy and, like, shoots the window out and knocks the guy in front out and, like, the vehicle crashes. He's like, this is definitely not how I wanted this to go, but it works. And vehicle rolls and he, like, finally is able to get kind of a hand frame, grab a gun, or reach for a gun. And the, the other guy's like, you know, on your knees. And then Luke finally wakes up and he's like, drop it.
1: Luke grabs the other gun off the other guy. So the thing Cash is telling him to do the whole time when he was passed out or knocked he finally, out, he finally does he it. He finally wakes up and does it. So they get the drop on the other guard,
0: and he's like, "Finally!" And you're welcome by the way. He's like, Are you kidding me? This is the this is this is your plan? It was a nightmare. He's like, "Which part?" He's like, "Pretty much all of them." He's like, "You made me use a gun. I hate guns." He's like, "You didn't use it. You just pointed it at someone." He's like, "That's the same thing." He's like, "Actually, it's a pretty huge difference." And uh, so. Grifter shoots the guard, takes the gun away from him, shoots the guard in the leg, and he's like, ah, he'll heal, he'll get some time off work, it's only a flesh one, it's not that big of a deal.
1: The guard was going for his gun again while the two of them were arguing.
0: And so he's like, again, I, you know, I need to get out of the city. You know? And if you don't, like, that's it. What about my father, don't you think you owe him? He's like, I owe a lot of people, man, some debts just weren't meant to be paid. He's like, I got $50,000, again, for you to help me to get out of Gotham. And so, he takes him to his apartment, and he's like, how many safe houses do you have? He's like, this is just my apartment. And it's just like nothing, just like a mattress on the floor, and just like bags, and just nothing. Right. He's like, I came here to pick up a few things, and it's like some guns and his mask. Right. And and uh, he's like, you want to get out of Gotham? You got to go through my contact. You want to go through them? You put on your little mask. And they'll have some well because they have some well earned trust issues. And he's like, This isn't a mask, this is a blindfold. He's like, Exactly, just think of it as a mask.
1: It's like a full on like ski mask without eye holes. Yeah. It's so he's like, It's a bag, put the bag on your head
0: <laughs> And so they're you know, they're in the city and uh as they're walking along they run into a gang and they're like, It must be look good it's Grifter himself and I like how they do in this book where like when they're whispering with uh, amongst each other right the letters are really light grey. Right. They're color swapped a little bit. I don't never seen that before.
1: Sometimes but not it's not a regular thing.
0: Right. And he's like, not sure. And uh these people are talking to him like, You you messed us you you effed us up, Grifter. He's like, Nope, not friends. He's like, Veil I I'd never do that to the black mask syndicate. He's like, Well you did. And uh intentionally I'd never do it. Intentionally, in fact, I was just coming to find you, and he's like, Yeah, you know, like tell him. And Luke's like, Yeah, he's got fifty thousand dollars right here. And he's like, Man, that's not <laughs> what I want you to say, he's like, and he so Grifters yells to Luke, Run, and he's like, Is and Luke keeps asking, Is this bad? He's like, well, I don't know, you don't know about strategy, Fox. What and he's like, What's the strategy here? He's like, Fight him on my terms. And so, you know, Grifters doing this thing, shooting, and they're running away.
1: Now the whole time he's talking to him, he keeps whispering to Luke, "Run, r- run, run!" And Luke just keeps standing there.
0: And finally, they're like, "He's like, yeah, they're just like some small town gang. You just throw a bomb, and they'll, they'll scatter." They're like, "Ah, maybe not." <laughs> and he's like, and they they dive into dive into a place. He's like, "Get in there." He's like, "I think we lost them." He's like, "Well, that's great, but where are we?" He's like, "Well, maybe maybe I've still got it after after all. This is my fr- This my friend is where we're supposed to be." An old bakery. He's like, you know, you know better than that. Former bat. We're in the home of the one of the last and best criminals the city ever produced. The Queen of Clubs herself. And he holds up a card. And at the beginning of the story, he's talking about like actual villains and things like that. And on each the cards of, in his hand, he has got like the Joker and like and Killer Croc and things like that. And so this one is, you know, Queen of Clubs, and it's uh, it's Huntress, All right? And uh, he's like, you might want to throw that hood back on Fox. The Huntress is not someone you want to be want mad at you. And then she's she's hanging from, and I don't know if they he might notice that she's there, but Luke just Luke Luke doesn't. But she's hanging from the ceiling with like arrow pointed right at him. So this is to be continued. Kind of cool backup story. Um, I always like Grifter. We asked that I asked that when we were when we did the preview to this whole future state thing. I wondered why they never done a figure like a really good like. DC figure them, figure them because yeah. they, they've been part of the Wilderms and part of them forever.
1: Yeah, at this point, yeah, more than twenty years. So yeah, as far as the thing, like the we, the last time we saw Grifter was in Batman number one hundred and one, and that is where he was initially hired by Lucius. That issue ends without any like culmination of anything. So whatever happened must have happened after one hundred and one. So I mean, that's an interesting lead. Uh yeah score for that book there, Josh?
0: Good to four. I thought it was pretty good. Um I, I enjoyed Grifter. I, I liked the art. I liked the writing. Um you know, I'm curious the the connection between the first book and the so dark detective in this one, the Lucius Fox thing. He's obviously still alive.
1: Are you talking about Batman or are you talking about Lucius? Uh well they talk about him in this book as if he's still around. Whenever Grifter mentions who he's the son of so I don't think Lucius is gone.
0: No, but then I'm wondering the first part of it if maybe Lucius has something to do with the magistrate taking over. It's possible and with, with the Wayne Tech stuff, you know, like so, like they kind of go together that way. That's maybe why they put them in the same book together.
1: Maybe I don't think there's a clear enough line to know that yet. But timeline wise, there's nothing that says these two stories don't fit. They just don't read as part one, part two. But timeline-wise, I assume they must be in the same era, timeline-wise. And the whole reason Bruce doesn't have money is because what happened previously in the Batman story, all his money was stored by the Joker. It gets stolen back by Catwoman and Harley Quinn, but to keep it safe from the Joker just doing it again, they deposited it all into Lucius Fox's accounts. So Lucius basically got control of all of Wayne tech and all the money. So that's where we're at. That's why he's hiring Grifter in one hundred and one in the first place is he's wanting a bodyguard that's someone's separate from Batman and everyone else. That's the whole reason he hires Grifter. So if it gets then and we turn out the magistrate is actually Lucius, that's so gonna be kind of weird, but not impossible, I guess. I'm not saying it's necessarily him, but maybe he had something to do with it. I don't know. Sure. Well, the way that the tech has been misused, he it's having the Batman before. I mean. The whole, uh, oh gosh, what were they called? Not the Manhunters, but the, uh, oh. What was that called? Back 8 during New 52 Uh, there's a name, I don't remember what it's called.
0: There was a Justice League storyline where, like, the. I don't want to say, the crime, somebody stole. Batman's files on how to defeat the, the, the Justice League 2. That's like, Tower
1: of Babel. That's, uh, Lex Luthor wants to be the one that did
0: it. You know, there's just time, time after time that like stuff. you know, like being the smartest man on the planet, supposedly. You think that he'd have better encryption and. Oh, it, you
1: know what's it's called? It's called OMAC. That took a minute to remember. When the OMAC technology right. went rogue and then eventually took over some superheroes, it was another storyline that was even set in the future, too. Was so
0: weird. I wasn't set in the
1: future. The second time around it was. The first time, not. The second time, yes. But the second time, it would be the Flash of the Future where Batman Beyond was time-traveled back to our almost-present to deal with the OMAC problem. And that's what put Terry McGinnis into the regular timeline with everyone else. Uh, and eventually, Tim Drake takes over to Batman Beyond during the same batch of stories. Um, in the future, actually. Yeah, so it's not the first time that Bruce has had tech gone wild. Not necessarily the same, it just looks very much being done by a person rather than the tech itself, but... I mean, it could be that, man. I'd, I'd hope that wasn't the case, but it's a very good possibility. Um, Score-wise, you know what, I give it a 4-2. Four, 4 as well. That's what I meant. Um, really good, and I like seeing Grifter do stuff. I mean, he doesn't get enough shine in the world, really, because he's awesome. So, and I like to get him with the mask, and I like to get the Huntress... So, a lot of cool things in that book, and Matthew Rosenberg is awesome writer. I mean, we've reviewed quite a few of his stories. He's the guy that did Hawkeye Freefall. Um, the dude's awesome. So, I really liked it. We get him doing a, uh, action story for the, uh, We Used to Be a Wildcat. Pretty, pretty groovy. Um, let's see, so, what'd you learn today, Josh?
0: I was really paying attention to what I learned today.
1: <laughs> did you learn a whole thing about a conspiracy thing with drugs in the Olympics? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't,
0: if you haven't seen, um, Icarus, you should watch that. It's really good.
1: Documentary won a, won a Oscar. Academy Awards.
0: Academy 2018 is about the, it's no conspiracy. It's full on, like the Russian doping Olympic athlete thing. Super crazy. Super crazy. So <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's a little, it's a lot. Sure. It's really cool, though. What I learned today, Josh? Mm, you learned that you don't hit side by the bell <laughs> after all these
1: years thinking that you did. <laughs> this is a brand new show. Just because it's based off the old show doesn't mean it's the same show. Mm-hmm. You liked it enough. <laughs> I, I mean, that is true. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's not the same show, though. Ugh, man. Um. All right. Um. Do you got any books to watch, Josh? Anything on your radar at all? I like that Strange Academy. Super good. Oh yeah, Humberts are almost fantastic. Scotty Young, also fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
0: And which is, he's like, I know he does both, but like, him with the you know, yeah.
1: Writing wise, he's good. Yeah, he's he does a
0: good job. It's a cool book. Dig it. And then this future state stuff, like, there's some cool ones coming up that I'm excited about. We have Robin Eternal pretty soon, which you might be able to do that next episode. Some of Superman stuff looks cool. Yeah, it does. Anyway, I mean it all. I mean, some of them I'm like yeah, whatever and some of them I'm like yeah, cool, cool. I check it out. But so that's stuff I um.
1: cool. Um well, there's one getting ready to come out here in another couple months. This is uh coming out from Image uh Nocturnal, which is uh being drawn by Tony Daniels, is being written by Scott Snyder, and uh the test pages look freaking awesome and like it's it's coming out from Image Initially, though, they did a Kickstarter for this thing, and I remember mentioning the Kickstarter. If you've listened to the show regularly, probably five episodes ago, we might have met, you might have heard the episode where we talked about it being on Kickstarter and it being a thing they were doing as a giant like hardcover. Well, now they're putting it out as a regular book as well. So um, that thing is coming out. I want to say in I think March or maybe April. Um, so it's a few months. It's in your catalogs now at your stores. So if you're into the, either of those guys, which, if you like Batman, Snyder wrote a lot of Batman. Uh, Art-wise, Tony Daniels is fantastic. So even if the story is just okay, the art will be great. But I would say ask your store about that or check out the previews catalog because the, they've got like five, one, two, three, no, four pages in there of preview. It's awesome. So I'm pretty stoked about that just because it looks so cool. Um, I, I'm still really stoked on a Crossover. Like, it just keeps getting cooler and cooler. Um, dig it a lot. It's awesome. Um, as far as, like, other books, I mean, Teen Titans Future State book, that thing's great. So, I mean, check it out, too, because it's good. It's going to go
0: on a crazy prank This there's a new character, though.
1: It, true. It's already going to the second print. So, uh yeah. I guess get on it, because it's already getting a second print. Um I feel like the second print's probably a few, maybe maybe three weeks away from actually coming out, but it's already going to second printing. That's how popular it is at Distributor. So, that's pretty crazy. Um, Yeah, as far as, like, other books, I, I mean, Department of Truth, I think, is really cool. The art is a thing to, you know, take it or leave it. I did like the
0: story a lot. Right. story story's pretty good. Sometimes those books, those real arty books like that, like, that just makes it hard to follow like sure it, it would have been better just as a novel almost like I can see that and that's just that's i just i mean that you know it just it's rough it's hard to follow like it's not bad it's just but as a flow like a comic book has to to me has to have a certain flow to it, and sure it just, it just is it's all it's kind of funky to i don't know it's it's one of those things I think people either love it or hate it like right. art wise i i think story wise anybody would be into it, oh sure, I mean, the
1: story's great um uh, there's another one called um Scout's Honor, coming out from Aftershock. Uh looks really cool. It's about a post-apocalyptic future where, as the people re-emerge to the surface, they encounter a scout's guide, and they basically turn it into the Bible. So, I'm interested to see what that is, even with all the weird lawsuit stuff in the world about the scouts not being a thing anymore. Um, that one's written by David Pepos, and he's the guy who did Lock and Key, or Spencer still, and Lock. There's, there's still a thing. Yeah, but it, it's weird what's happening with them. Um, uh, but Spencer and Locke, if you're a long time listener to the show, we have an interview with David Pepos when he was writing Spencer and Locke. Uh, so this is his new book, uh, coming out from Aftershock. I think it should be cool. I mean, the couple of test pages for it look awesome, too, but as a thing, I mean, that's generally how test pages work. That's be- That's all I got, though. And speaking of, um, yeah, get else? speaking
0: of Kickstarters. Yeah. I just got an update yesterday, um, in action figure deconstruction news, I guess. Sure. Uh, so I, 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 I paid money to a Kickstarter about, man, March last year. Okay. And it's called Space Force and it's a, 118th scale toy line coming out um you can choose between usa and russian so either like usa astronauts or russian cosmonauts and it's you can get all the heads are different like and so you get extra 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 like parts and heads and accessories and things and like the russians come with like Putin or Stalin or Lenin or <laughs>
1: That's crazy. like
0: all these in different people. Yeah. Um, U.S. like come and you can pick, you can get like multiple Russians or multiple, whatever. I just pick one of each and the U.S. comes with Trump and Obama, George Washington, Uncle Sam, and like very interchangeable, ridiculous, um, say saying, like early spring possibly. Oh man. Like they're in the they're in the like the test the testers right now, like getting like the test samples back and adjusting a few things. But really hilarious. So if you don't if you're curious what know what the heck I'm talking about. It's an action figure line that's by an independent company that's coming out called Space Force. And it's hilarious. And um I actually think that like some of the accessories that they come with are like the cosmonaut dogs and the monkeys and the other things that they sent into space are part of <laughs> it as well. I'm pretty sure that's it's funny. been a long time since I, I forgot that I'd funded it. Like, <laughs> I forgot that I put money into it, but I was like, that's hilarious. Like, it was one of those things I was like, this is too hilarious not to be a part of this thing because it, it's going to be crazy. And so, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, it's, I was, it's pretty, like It's pretty okay. silly. That's funny. Nice. Well, I mean, that would be cool to see when they finally come out. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Speaking of action figures, uh, if you want to check out our YouTube show, we have Action Figure Deconstruction over on YouTube, uh, where we break down figures, show you toys, talk about toys. It's good times. Um, So, we have episodes over there. Go watch them. You know, like them, subscribe, all that nonsense.
0: And if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that show up early to buy whole cases of action figures from people just to sell them on eBay because you're a jerk, then F you. And that's what really <laughs> i got to say about that. And I'm going to say that to everybody anytime I have a chance. Because it's just like, you make it unfun for people to collect. Sure. Knock it off. It's just not even... It's your... It's the same people who chase covers and chase things like comic book-wise. It's like...
1: Scalper style is... Yeah. It's
0: just... It's not fun. And, I mean... You can control a little bit the shop, you know, which is, like...
1: I do. I only sell one copy per person. But it's just, Unless like... Unless you pre-order them early. And in that okay. case, you can buy everything you want.
0: Right, right. But it's just, like... I don't know. You're, you're the... People like that are the reason that make, make things not fun. So, it's just, like... I just want, like, one of something. I don't... Right. I, don't I don't want 40. And I get there are those people who want to, like, army build and stuff. I sure. get it. Like... And in the in the one eighteen scale, it's easier to army build because it's oh, like yeah. easier to make a bunch of those and fill those more than those cases. But in the one t- one twelve scale line, that's like it's, I guess it's not as easy, even though like Marvel Legends have done it for years. But why people need forty Cobra Vipers is beyond me. <laughs> it just and, and t- to be honest, who can afford forty twenty dollar figures just to army build? Oh, that's a good point. And who has the space for that? <laughs> there's just so many questions in my head, right? It's just like, do not know whatever
1: yeah, uh also we have uh we have our other podcast never been done podcast uh which you can find on all social media platforms also um mostly movie movie talk it's it's a lot crazy um Instagram you're at. Window 24 W-I-N-D-L-E 24 on Insta. Right, it's got photographs, you've been doing some photo stuff lately, so bit, yeah, pictures, you can see stuff like that. Uh, I am at top 5 Comics CBS, which is mostly Madralins. Back when conventions used to happen, there'd be convention pictures and adventures, but there's no more adventures anymore, which is sad. Um, you can also go find links to everything on the Top5ComicsPodcast.com website. Uh, there's links to this show, the Never Been Done Podcast, the Action Picker Deconstruction, our buddies have a hot sauce review show called Scovillionaires, you can find that there as well, uh, Ant-Man 2050 gameplay walkthroughs, videos on YouTube, um, links for all of it on the website, so if you can't remember anything else, just remember the top 5 com, which is a lot of words to remember. Um, I think that's it. Josh, anything else? No, sir. It's Okay. Oh, I yeah, i awesome. awesome.